0: Yeah. And it's like, I like it because it kills two birds with one stone. But like that is the part of the day where my willpower is the worst. But like it turns out endor- the endorphins you get from like hanging out with people are pretty similar to the endorphins that you get from like doing hard cardio for 60 yeah, minutes. Yeah. So I love going to things that I'll like look forward to but have trouble making myself go to. So like dance class or like a group lift lifting weights class. And it works out even better if I have a class scheduled through like ClassPass, which I've talked about before on this, because you can't cancel without a fee less than twelve hours in advance. Right. So the night before, I'll be like, "Yes, tomorrow I'm going. I'm going to go to the gym." And usually, like at eight a.m., I still feel fairly confident that I'm going to go to the gym, and by then. I know that it's going to cost me $20 to decide to go to the bar instead of the gym.
1: Right. You're penalizing yourself. Yeah.
0: It's pre-commitment. It's a, it's a pre-commitment. A negative reward. (laughs) And, and instead of like having coworkers be like, Oh, you should come out for drinks with us. I can just be like, Oh, I actually have to go to this class. Like I have something scheduled and like, it's going to cost me money. So I, instead of just this vague idea that I should hit the gym as opposed to go out for happy hour, with coworkers, and it's totally dorky, but it's true. And then it turns out like when I get out of the gym, I just want to shower, and I don't want to like go out. But yeah, to I know. A I you're kind
1: of forcing the issue in a, in a good way. Yeah,
0: and that could that could go for lots of different things, you know. um So this this also helps like if you have kids and you have to pick them up or take them to activities, then suddenly the bar is less interesting. <laughs>
2: yeah, or more interesting. Knows,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more just more logistically challenging.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway wow that was i mean that was a lot but hopefully you found some advice and i i think the advice can mostly be summed up to plan ahead and leftovers
2: yeah that makes sense
0: (laughs) that's that's it i'm not saying don't know when
3: you're gonna be hungry
0: and if you like going to restaurants and it doesn't bother you then just budget for it the end (laughs) (laughs) uh and now all i really want is some i think this Recording this episode has had the opposite effect on me. I agree. Is that I, I think I want to go out to eat to l- for lunch now because we've been talking about it for so long. Uh, reminder that we love hearing from you. So, are you trying to spend less at restaurants? How much do you spend? Do you know? Um, is this an easy, easy thing for you? Like both Will and I were like, "Eh, you just don't go out to restaurants." But or is this something that's really challenging for you? Do you do a lot of it? Uh, let us know at questions at or tweet us at anomalily or at omydollar
2: that wraps our show for today our producer is will romey our intro music is by aaron parecki and your host and personal finance educator is lillian kerbick thanks for listening and until next time remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you you're listening to x-ray fm at kxry portland and kqac hd3 portland at 107.1 and 91.1 fm streaming online everywhere at x-ray
4: support for x-ray
2: fm comes from the hollywood
4: theater Portland's non-profit Historic Movie Theater, showing classic, contemporary, and cult films every night of the week. Located at Northeast Sandy Boulevard in the heart of the Hollywood District. Showtimes and event listings at hollywoodtheater.org.
1: Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery. Located in southeast Portland for over 13 years, New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit the website at newdealdistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street.
3: Supply chain problems don't tend to make headlines, but the current crisis in the industry has affected everyone from artists, to labels, to distributors, to record buyers. Today, we explain the problem, how it occurred, and how people all over the industry are working together to fix the problem. Welcome to The Future of What. I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. On today's episode, we talk about a supply-side crisis and how people are working together to solve it going into the holiday season. It's all coming up on The Future of What. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Stephen Judge of School Kids Records. Welcome to The Future of What, Stephen. Thanks, Portia. So today we are talking about the supply side problem that we're currently experiencing i will say we'll, yeah. we're experiencing in the music industry yeah and i wanted to talk to you because you run a record store mm-hmm. so you are the person who comes face to face with the customer every day and you're the one who has to deal with sort of the end of the supply side problem that's right which is actually getting product into your store that's right yeah. so do you want to tell us just from your perspective how this has all been unfolding
4: yeah it was about three weeks before record store day as the Record Store Day shipments were coming in back around the 1st of April, that we got word that Warner Brothers, Wea, one of the three major distributors, was changing their entire distribution center to Direct Shot, the same place that was being hosted by Universal and Sony, the other two majors. And the timing of it, of course, for, <laughs> on our perspective, seemed a bit stressful because Record Store Day is obviously the biggest day of the year for us. And the initial idea was that all the record store day product was going to be shipped out of the old warehouse. You know, after record store day, start new in the new warehouse. Everything would be everything would be great, and there wouldn't be any interruptions of business. And that has not happened. Not only was it a disaster for a lot of stores on record store day, which anyone who shops on that day or any you know any of your listeners who maybe are regular is at their local shops on record store day and went in and maybe felt like they were out of certain records that they may normally have, normally have or got shorted. That was a big reason why. And a lot of stores didn't even get the majority of their shipments. And it was really a mess and it just hasn't gotten any better since, Mm. you know, and now here we are, it's November. We're, we're coming on Christmas and you know, there hasn't been any marginal improvements whatsoever. And so anyone who regularly shops record stores, who's maybe been in and noticed that the shops have been thin on catalog or maybe not getting new releases on Street Day, this is a large reason why. So it's it's been really challenging for the last eight months to, to sort of just get product in the store, which is obviously, <laughs> can't sell it if we don't have it. So, right. you know, and then missing the window of time, the critical window of time of Street date. you know, and which is now Friday, which is a whole other issue in itself. So if you miss Friday, then you don't get it till Monday. And, you know, the whole theory that people come back on Monday or they come back the following weekend to buy it is, you know, n- not entirely true. You know, it, they find alternative ways to get it. They obviously can get it in other sources or they just don't buy it. Right. You know, so we've had a lot of problems like that over the last eight months and it's made things challenging for sure. And some major, and some major releases, like it's really affected some big bands.
3: Right.
4: You chart positions and things like that as well, for sure. And I, I know in a couple of cases from some really big bands that would have probably, you know, charted much higher if not number one. Right. If it wasn't for these issues. Which which has major trickle down issues across the board to the artists trying to get television performance, you know, locked in or trying to get sure radio player play or whatever it may be, because those the charts still kind of rule the roost right. in that regard. So Well, I think
3: it's very important that everybody understands that this is not some sort of evil plot, right? right? Because this is an unfortunate thing that happened that has caused a bunch of problems that aren't getting rectified, I would say, quickly enough. That's right. But, you know, I'm just thinking from a label's point of view, and, you know, the majors, absolutely, they do this just as as well as independent labels. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a record coming out on a certain street date... You do all this promo leading up to it. You put a lot of marketing dollars out. Right. You, you know, you really sort of work towards that street date. Right. And if your record isn't in stores on that street date, that's a massive loss for everybody, for the label, for the artist, for everybody.
4: Absolutely. So absolutely.
3: You know, it's not like anybody's. I, I can't. You know, I don't want to present the view that like anyone's happy about this. Nobody's happy about this. No,
4: no, across the board, it's affecting everybody. You know the artist and if you know anyone's been to a show recently and seen that the artist doesn't have the new record on the merch table this could be the reason why because right. a lot of artists can't even get the product to them on the road to be at shows which you know is a major source of income for bands right you know the merch sales and that's a big deal absolutely you know so that's happening everywhere and it's creating all kinds of problems across the board and you know it's just it's even even our regular customers have heard about it you know what i mean like even though it's not necessarily getting on the cbs news at night or anything like that they've heard about it because we sometimes will chat and they'll say oh yeah i heard something about that you know right yeah you know
3: yeah supply chain problems are not high on the list of like sexy you know nightly news stories so i definitely understand why that is not happening no so what are you doing, Stephen, as a record store owner for the product that you're trying to bring in and everything? Are you changing where you get it? Are you making alternative plans? Like, how, how are you handling it?
4: Yeah, all of those things. I mean, we're obviously outside of new product. We're always very diligent about focusing on, you know, finding secondhand and used product, you know, and we've had to really sort of double our efforts in that regard just to keep records in the bins and keep product coming in. But as far as the new stuff, we've started going to a lot of other alternative resources, going to some of the one stops. And, you know, there's several of those. And the downside of that is, in some cases, they don't have the product. Mm. But when they do, we're paying a lot more. Got you it. Know? So there are some cases where the records are having to go up two or even $3 in the store just to compensate for the loss in margins. And then we're starting to buy more direct from a lot of labels that have that facility. You know, there's certain labels that have the ability to sell to you direct or they have that in their contracts or they have their own warehouse and we immediately made an adjustment for that. And maybe, maybe there were sort of convenience reasons why we didn't do that in the past. Mm -hmm. In some cases, it might be just that we're going to be buying from the other distributor anyway. So we might as well throw on a few extra pieces of this label. We don't have to do five different orders to get the product. We can get it off from less sources and get it for the, premium price but in some cases we're having to go to multiple different places and, and when we're buying direct from some people you know you might not necessarily have this varies from store to store but you know you may not necessarily some of these small labels which have great catalogs may not necessarily have the facilities to give you credit terms where you can pay your bill in 30 days or whatever because they they're just a small operation and their warehouse is a small part of their business and now that business has grown. So they may not have the administrative ability to handle that. So you might have to take a hit and say, okay, I'll throw this on my credit card or I'll, you know, I'll I'll send you a wire to get the product thing that I need to get it. So that really starts messing with your cash flow Yeah, and it starts making it difficult for you to kind of go deep. Definitely. And that constant adjustment has been, has been a big struggle for us, you know?
3: No doubt. And I always try to see the silver lining. And I feel like whenever there's a big problem in the industry, there's always opportunities. Right. And it is interesting because it does seem like perhaps those are some of the opportunities that some of the smaller distributors, some of the smaller one-stop, some of the labels that maybe you didn't buy direct from before, mm-hmm. maybe they're going to sort of step up at this crisis and uh, fill in the gaps.
4: Yeah, that is happening now in regards to you know, credit limits. That's an issue or terms or how much product they have, you know, maybe things they wouldn't necessarily carry in the past. They're going deeper, hopefully, you know, and being more aggressive and reaching out to us to try to be amendable and work things out. Cause they know what position we're in. That's definitely happening, you know? And then, and then some of the labels that have the ability to sell direct as well, if they have that capability, you know, that's certainly about better for them, you know, and, and we're happy to do it when and where it makes sense, you know, and not every label is sort of set up that way. There's some labels that have recently, Made changes. And in, in the midst of all this, you can imagine there's chaos as far as labels changing distribution. Sure. In some cases, the labels haven't even been able to get their product sent to the new distributor because it's lost somewhere in the warehouse.
3: Oh, my God. So
4: yeah. <laughs> that's a whole and other not getting, problem. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm hearing it all the time. I'm wow. hearing labels that are waiting over a month or two to get product just to their Warehouse their own warehouse so that they can sell it direct to stores and or get it to the vans on the road or whatever needs they have for it. Oh my god! Yeah, and so you know you've got all those kind of issues, but there's there's a lot of changing going on, a lot of people moving, and it's just kind of like you know it's, the, the pot's been stirred, and it's just kind of a little bit chaotic at the moment. But you know it's it's making it sort of challenging to to know where to go, what's the best resource, and a lot of stores. Thank goodness we have. A good network of independent stores and coalitions that i'm involved with i'm on the coalition of independent music stores sims and we have a great network where we communicate to each other and say hey you know i've been trying to get this from this place and they're out of it but these guys have it and all the stores you you become friends with a lot of other record stores over the years so we're constantly trading you know emails or facebook messages saying hey have you tried to call so-and-so They've got some of the Wilco records, you know, and you're like, oh, really? Oh, my God, really? i will going down. You know, <laughs> it's like that kind of, like, chaotic work just to get it on street day. Right. But that's usually a given. And so our time and energy, much less our money, is being completely spent on this every single week instead of being ahead of it and working on what's coming that week instead of saying, well, I've already bought that, so it should just show up the day before and or two days before and put it on the shelves. That's not a guarantee anymore. Wow you know yeah
3: well best of luck we hope this situation gets sorted out soon and doesn't have a massive impact on holiday sales
4: yeah and to give complete credit to those who are dealing with this on a daily basis thank god there's a lot of really great music people hardcore music people at some of these companies who are just you know this has been thrown at them it's not their fault you know they love record stores as much as everybody else and they're trying like crazy to fix this situation and Adjusting, and there certainly has been a window of time for them to sort of say, "Okay, we're going to believe that these things are going to improve," and they're all making alternative decisions because with Christmas and Black Friday coming up, they they have to, mm-hmm. you know, and they deserve that credit for working hard. and And right now, despite all these issues, we all feel very optimistic about Black Friday and the Christmas season and and being able to get product because they've made some adjustments, knowing that. Hey, listen, we've been working on this issue for six months. We haven't really seen major improvements and we've got Christmas coming up and this could be catastrophic for stores and for labels and everybody involved. So we have to do what we have to do to make sure that the product can get there. And that that means we have to go direct and to these alternative sources and these middlemen, that sometimes means everybody's got to pay more. That's what we have to do. You know, and we have to work extra on the administrative side to just make sure that the stores are covered and that we've got what we need to have. And you know, we're on the we're on the edge of that right now, as we're what three weeks away from Black Friday. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel good. I feel like everybody's you know always had this backup plan in place, and that that that's there. And uh, we we feel like we're going to finish the year very strong, and then come out next year and say, "Whew, that was a crazy year." All right, now <laughs> let's restart, and let's let's 2020 be a year where we can focus on a lot of other issues. And you know, and and not to hog this too much of conversation, but. You know, as you can imagine, like there's a constant amount of issues to be talked about with the distributors and with the labels and everyone through retail on a regular basis. And all that stuff has been tabled for the majority of this year because we've been dealing with the most basic supply problems. So we haven't been able to dig down deep into some of these other issues that we really should be prioritizing, Mm -hmm. you know, because everyone's distracted. So hopefully next year we can get back. To talking about those things, because there's still a lot of challenges. Even if the supply chain issues aren't there, there's still a lot of challenges that we all face in brick-and-mortar retail, you know, and physical product retail. That we need to continue to keep working with the labels on directly, and, and those who really are passionate about it and care about it, and make sure their companies are, you know, doing what we, they need to do, you know, absolutely. to make sure we have to do what we can. So absolutely. So yeah, yeah.
3: Cool. Well, Stephen Judge of School Kids Records, thank you so much for being with me today on The Future of What?
4: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
3: Chocolate Makes You Happy by Shushu. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Laura Provenzano of Alliance. Laura, welcome to The Future of What?
5: Thank you very much for having me, Portia.
3: I am having you today to talk about this whole direct shot situation that we find ourselves in in the music business. So to start off with, do you just want to let us know what is Alliance Entertainment? What do you guys do in the business?
5: Well, I would call us a hybrid wholesale distributor or to use the age-old term of one-stop for music and movies. We have a wholesale division and a true distribution arm vis-a-vis amp mm-hmm. and distribution solutions on the studio front. We also have a games division through our merger with Mecca. We provide you know, physical products and a variety of fulfillment services to a virtual who's who of physical retailers, you know, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, Amazon and especially pertinent to this topic, independent retail, who's been really taking it on the chin as a result of the situation at DSD. We also do a tremendous amount of direct-to-consumer business with the various retailers I mentioned and with our own retail brands. You know We have a very, very diverse organization and really heavily invested in our distribution center.
3: Got it. So being that is what you guys do, you know, under normal circumstances, perfect conditions. Let's say, how does product flow through Alliance?
5: Well, you know, we are probably the largest physical customer of Direct Shot, and we probably represent, I would guess, fifty percent of the physical shipments coming out of Direct Shot between all of the distribution companies. So, the Warner Music Group, Universal, Sony, Orchard, and ADA, and we source. Products from them through those suppliers, through their the extension of their sales arms, and we probably will do on average 30 million units a year, about 300 million in revenue through direct shot. So, you know, I feel like we have a really great view of the situation there, and again, just based on our the market share that we do. So, trying
3: to really make it easy for people to understand because this is a little bit of a complicated topic when you're not like living it and breathing it as some of us are. So you guys purchase CDs and LPs from the major record companies from The Orchard and ADA, and you receive that physical product and you sell to independent retailers and other retailers.
5: That's correct. That's correct. We source products and that are shipped to us through their distribution, you know, direct shot, right. and you know, they truck them literally an hour and a half south to our facility in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. And then we source a variety of orders for our retail partners whether it's to brick and mortar locations or it's to direct to e-commerce on behalf of those retailers. Great.
3: So now we're not going to assume that what has happened is that all of that has ground to a complete halt. But what has happened to that process in the last seven months?
5: Well, you know, and I, and I do want to stress that it has not ground to a halt, right? I mean, we do experience weeks where we have a lot of production out of direct Shot. And then we have weeks and periods where we do not, right? That's part of the failure. So really, you know, what's happened from where I sit has kind of been the perfect storm and I'll call it a confluence of factors, right? It's been a progressive failure of the supply chain really a few years in the making. And I think that as physical has progressively taken a backseat to digital, the physical supply chain became less of a priority right? People took their eye off the ball and this I believe was compounded by an exodus and a brain drain, if you'll, you know, if I can may call it that, amongst major distribution personnel and the loss of the physical supply chain expertise, right? I mean, it's supply chain problems that we're experiencing. So, you know, direct shot is fundamentally set up as a bulk operation. They're shipping cartons and pallets in large volumes. But as the sales have declined, the average order size has decreased and the complexion of the business has changed, right? So as a result, the loose orders, which primarily that's our independent retailers and they're doing some direct to consumer business at a direct shot, comprises a greater percentage of the volume, right? But the problem is that they're not configured to efficiently manage that type of business, right? Mm -hmm. They're manually picking, packing, and shipping orders, right? They lack the firepower that they need on the fulfillment side to manage the business today, right? Wow. Effectively, the infrastructure, automation, sortation equipment to keep their heads above water and process loose orders.
3: And that's interesting because, you know, my distributor for my label is is Red Eye which is an independent distribution company in North Carolina.
5: I know them very well. Yeah.
3: Yes, and I've been in their warehouse and I've seen how, you know, they do a lot of their work and I think because of who they are and the number of labels that they handle, they have the ability to handle large orders but they also have the ability to handle small orders. You know, there's there's a lot of hand Packing that I've seen happening there, yeah, and I think that's probably appropriate for that business. But I, I get what you're saying that if Direct Shot was set up to have like machines moving pallets of boxes around, it's a tough transition to one person, you know, pulling single LPS or five here and five there.
5: That's right. It's a it's a very different model, you know, for distribution, and I dare say that's a lot easier if you were a, like, we, we are effectively a loose facility of what we're managing, and really thanks large part to the direct-to-consumer business that we do, but it's much easier for us to adapt to a bulk model than it is for the bulk model to adapt to a loose model.
3: That's interesting. I feel like that's always how it is in every industry. You know, once you're used to dealing with bulk, it's really hard to go back to individual. But let's talk for a second about, you know, this is a problem that has been Boiling in the industry now this whole year or most of this year, but is almost invisible to the consumer except on those occasions where release dates get entirely missed. I mean, are we in danger of that continuing to happen, or is that you know? Do you think we've we've been through that part of it?
5: Well, I think that the danger will persist, right? You know, again, my my opinion, and and after visiting the facility, is that. I worry that it cannot get significantly better without really a major investment in the sortation equipment, the technology, labor resource, right, experience leadership that they need, right? Again, in talking to the folks there, very hardworking, capable people, I fear that they will continue to fail, we're almost setting them up to fail because it's not really possible for them to manage what they're trying to manage without the firepower they need. Right. Because it's uh, that loose activity and these other businesses, you know, for example, they're trying to do direct-to-consumer business out of that facility and, you know, it's stripping resource and capacity away from the bulk business. I I believe that they're doing probably 40% of their order volume now is for single unit, two unit orders. So that that's an enormous number when you consider that they're manually picking orders, right? right? There's no batching, there's no zone picking. And, you know, these are the things that would really dramatically improve the efficiency, right? So, you know, to answer your question for us, I feel like we've been a little insulated from it because we have the luxury of ordering bulk, right? I have the luxury of ordering 300, 600, 1200 units but our friends in independent retail don't have that luxury so you dramatically increase your odds of getting inventory on that facility if you can order in, in box lots right but that's not a good solution for our independent retail partners
1: right
3: And I guess the reason that that I'm doing a podcast episode on this and it's sort of coming to a head at this moment is that we're heading rapidly into the holiday season, which is, you know, the physical market's biggest time of year. So how worried should we
5: be? Well, we're working our asses off here to try to circumvent direct shot, to pull that kind of volume, to pull the white noise away from them. You know, and into our own facility and into other wholesale facilities too. Obviously, you know, retail partners have a choice and you know, we're working with the labels and the sales teams to account for additional inventory needs. The suppliers are working with the independent retail community to try to make this a cost neutral proposition for them. Right. So they're instructing them literally to not order from direct shot. They're instructing them to go to their wholesale partners. And we have a better opportunity and ability to fulfill their orders right so we keep them in business through the critical holiday right we're looking at your you know, forecast you know very closely we're looking at the uptick in activity that we've seen we're adjusting our in-stock quantities we're doing everything that we can think of to try to circumvent that facility even and including we're opening direct relationships with some of the key labels and you know with complete cooperation from the distribution company I call these my break glass in case of emergency relationships right <laughs> so that I have a, a redundancy plan you know what we manage it's a very large facility you know alliances it's a 660,000 square foot facility so a lot of the core discipline that we have in planning for the business really pays dividends for us here right. So we are preparing, and we have prepared for this, like it's a windstorm. But I'm down here in South Florida, so <laughs> I'll use that analogy, right? Right. But this is how we try to prepare for it, you know, to make sure that this vital sector for us is is being taken care of through the holiday. Absolutely. So you know,
3: we're all going to keep our fingers crossed and batten down the hatches for the holidays. But after the holidays pass, what do you see as, you know, the appropriate moves that need to be made? to rectify this problem?
5: Well, you know, again, I think one, you know, there has to be a very active level of engagement with direct shot and through the different distribution supply chain teams. So you, see, you definitely see that and feel that happening. Two, we need to continue to explore other options to try to circumvent direct shot, whether it's getting shipments directly from manufacturing overseas, taking it directly from manufacturing or from labels here domestically, you know, we're looking at different ways to, you know, some basics, you know, simple things. And if you've been in the distribution business, you know, looking at what we have populated in our systems as box lot, right, and trying to round up the best we can and trying to look at the terms that will support this level of business. But fundamentally and at its core, we have to, you know, and this is up to the, the distribution companies here really have to call direct shot on the carpet here and or someone has to make an investment in that facility or we have to figure out how we can continue to take the white noise away. And I think that, you know, as an industry, this has been my experience in, in working with the, the different suppliers as we have. People of goodwill have been put in a very bad position mm-hmm. and trying to make the best of it. Right. And that's what we're in the midst of. But I think that there has to be a, a day of reckoning and everyone has to understand that, again, fundamentally, this has been my message after my visit to the trade is that this facility is not set up to do this type of business. Got it. And that's a larger message, right? I almost feel like, you know, it's talking to ADA after my visit that, you know, we need to rip the scab off the wound. And, you know, the first step is understanding that you really have a problem, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we have to reckon with. And I don't mean to sound dire. I mean, there are a lot of positive things underway, you know, that will help alleviate that. For example, this trying to create this cost neutrality for independent retailers to send their business to wholesale
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
5: and then get the service Mm -hmm. that they need. Right, right, right. That's something that's very, very positive. Definitely. But, you know,
3: I always say on this show that the music business is a patchwork of historical accidents. (laughs) And I feel like... (laughs) it's a good way of putting. It. This is one of those times, right? I mean, we've seen this multiple times in the music industry where yeah. you know, a technology change or a social change happens and then we have to rush to catch up, you know? Yeah. We don't necessarily always anticipate. Sometimes we have to play catch up and that can be really ugly and we're hoping that it doesn't have a massive impact on our industry for, you know, the holiday season and beyond because you know, as we all know, one of the issues with retail, and it's true with digital or physical retail, is that you kind of have a window of opportunity when an album first comes out for new releases that, you know, it's like, if you miss it, it's gone. And that's sort of the unfortunate truth of our, our business right now. So, Laura Provenzano of Alliance Entertainment, thanks so much for being with me on The Future of What?
5: You're very welcome, Porsche. It's been my pleasure. <laughs>
3: was wooden ghost by explode into colors you're listening to the future of what after the show take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts it helps people find the show and we love hearing from you you're listening to the future of what i'm talking to steve harkins of ingram steve welcome to the future of what
2: Thank you, Portia. It's an honor to be here and appreciate the invite and hope I don't lower the bar today.
3: You will not lower the bar. So I invited you today because as chair of the Physical Business Action Committee, you are uniquely positioned to have a perspective on this situation that's going on with direct shot. So for the benefit of listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, could you just give us a quick overview of what is DirectShot?
2: Sure. DirectShot is a company that basically your services are available and provided for the three major music companies, the Universal, Sony, and Warner Music, or WIA. So they're responsible for pick, pack, and shipping physical music products throughout the industry. So that involves wholesale companies such as Ingram Entertainment and Alliance and several retailers from large chains to independent retailers. Thanks.
3: And so there's a situation going on that involves Direct Shot, which is what I've asked you to come here to talk about today. So do you also want to give us a quick overview of of what's been happening?
2: Sure. And if you wouldn't mind, would it be okay if we just took a step back, just present a little bit of color on the physical business action committee and our background, because that's something I I volunteered to do. It started back when the industry made a decision or was mulling over the decision to change the release dates of music, new titles, new albums released by music artists, which for several years, decades had been on Tuesday. And the notion was to change that to Friday. And largely tied to, you know, the continuing growth of the, the digital aspect of our industry. Digital downloads still being prevalent in, of course, streaming, which is a significant portion of the revenue for the, the music labels. And it's an organization, IFPI, which I wasn't even familiar with this organization until the topic came up, where they felt that there needed to be a universal release date, Friday. And again, largely driven by the digital side of uh, consumption the concerns from the physical retail community, and that's both you know traditional music stores and chains, as well as online retailers who service and provide physical products, both vinyl and, and CDs, was that it was a significant change operationally. There were also some concerns about the ability to replenish new releases in the event they sold out on a release date. Simple math is if something's released on a Tuesday, you have two or three days to be able to replenish, replace inventory you may have sold out before you hit the weekend challenge with the Friday for those of us in in the physical product side is of course, that you have a weekend until you get into the new working week, which means the soonest any of us wholesalers or retailers could receive backup inventory on a new release is as much as three days to four days. And that created some problems, but what was really evident was, the need for us to have a singular voice and a seat at the table. When matters like this came up, we were caught a little off guard and I don't feel like we really had a seat at the table to truly discuss the concerns. And it also felt like by the time it came to our attention, this decision had already been made. I think the other aspect of it was that for years, many of us in the business, we were used to the relationships we had established with music companies that were based here domestically. And, the section of you know the business becoming more global with digital downloading and streaming, many of the decision makers at high levels were based overseas and most of those individuals had very little rapport relationship with those of us based in the States on the wholesale and the retail side of it. So it made sense for us to kind of unify and make sure that we had a voice. You know, well, I feel like the labels and distributors articulating our concerns I think anyone can articulate it better than those that are directly impacted by decisions made you know, in the industry. So that was really the background behind how we formed the organization. And our primary mission was to reach out to artist management and develop a relationship there. It was pretty clear that we had little to no relationship with artist management. And what we kept hearing from labels and distribution, you know, critical decisions were being made in how an artist's release was going to be marketed and how they would approach even logistically releasing product physically. And so it was evident that we needed to start some outreach just to communicate the fact that although we're a smaller part of the business, probably the most profitable when you drill it down on a by unit basis, you know what the profit for a CD solar, or a vinyl album sold is far more significant than a single stream. And so to outreach into you know, the management community with a positive message, because most retailers and wholesalers, most of us in this business, are really passionate about what we do and passionate in supporting the artists. And to date, that has been a really positive endeavor in expanding the the reach between retail, wholesale, and, and the management side of it. And so that really was the background and the focal point for the Physical Business Action Committee, which kind of leads up to... Again, the reason why we're here, which is the current challenges that we're having in supply of goods,
3: right, so basically, what became a crisis this summer,
2: yeah, really, the beginning of it was April, so I think we're looking at seven months ago, okay, up until that point, you had two of the three majors that were utilizing you know this third party for services, and while there were some challenges, it seemed evident there were struggles with smaller shipments, and what we refer to as loose pick, loose pick would be when you order a particular title at quantities that are less than what the industry standard carton counts are, which is usually about 30 units per CD. It varies on vinyl, but they had some challenges. It wasn't to the point where I would say it had dramatic impact on our business, but there clearly were some challenges on that front. And the bar had been raised You know, in the past because the three majors for years had handled their own distribution. So this shift to using a third-party single source was fairly dramatic, but again, not catastrophic, really until around April, and that was when the third major came on board. It also coincided with requirements of uh, some notable retailers in terms of the manner in which they were to receive their product, it created a lot of smaller shipments, and you know, collectively created this perfect storm, a huge bottleneck in fulfilling what we call catalog product, product or albums that were released 18 months or later. That's how we kind of classify catalog as opposed to new releases. We saw a significant delay in fulfilling those orders. We saw damaged shipments escalate. Trying to track the status of the orders was a real challenge as well. And I think everybody took the approach initially Well, you know, out of the gate, it's to be expected there'd be a bumpy road. Let's give it a couple of months to see where things progress. Right. However, unfortunately, we didn't see that progression. And
3: because my understanding is this wasn't, you know, some sort of nefarious plot. It was an idea that people thought would work because would create an efficiency because if you're shipping for all three majors from one central hub, the idea I think was that it would make everything smoother. You know, if you're sending to a certain distributor or a certain store, you know, why not send everything all at once? I believe that that was the impetus behind this move. But what you're saying is that it just, it just logistically didn't work out that way.
2: That's right. I mean, you know, I, the intent was, you know, absolutely honorable and it. And it does make sense, right? If you're combining three of the majors, and you include the independent arms that they're responsible for in a given time, you know, that could command on the physical side of the business, you know, 80 plus percent market share. So when you're putting all of all their product into one box, you know, we're creating a single order as opposed to three or more. Yeah. There's all kinds of efficiencies you would think operationally also the cost savings from a freight standpoint and from the outside looking in, you know, probably stress testing, you know, before moving forward would have been a good move, but nonetheless, they did move forward with this. And when it became evident that things were actually going in the wrong direction, we're getting, aggressively worse rather than improving. You know, into the summer, we started asking the majors to consider coming up with some contingency plans until DirectShot could get their arms around the, you know, the overall volume, magnitude of business that they were responsible for. And to their credit, I think we'd asked, you know, for consideration to come up with something, you know, um, around the end of August, not a demand, but a request. And they did. Some implemented those contingency plans, um, some waited. And to be more specific, we had uh, one of the majors had requested adding an additional facility that would handle new releases and most shipments to independent retail. And that certainly helped move some some of the pressure off of the the single facility that's based in Indiana. And the other two, I think, we're still taking a wait-and-see attitude. Just recently, we were informed by the other two that they were notifying independent retailers that purchased direct to consider sourcing the product through wholesalers, such as our company and others, for the balance of the year into all or part of January. So that information and that position really just came down, you know, in the last week or two, which which also is a bit problematic in, in terms of being able to make sure that collectively wholesale community is in a position to be able to service all those needs in a short period of time and also the hopes of receiving it in a timely basis.
3: Right. So now you ha- actually took a trip out to direct shot to sort of right. see the hands on what's happening out there. So what do you have to report from that?
2: Well, first of all, I just you know say that DirectShot's been, you know, real open and honest. There's been good communication since we've requested it several months ago in terms of progress and, and, you know, actions that they were taking as well as their parent company. And, you know, really the tour from a logistical standpoint, I think my observation is that it it's laid out commonly to, to most of us that are in this business. It's a large facility. And so it's pretty difficult to, you know, really question the, the rationale of how it's laid out. You know, the two real challenges I think still are the ability to be able to handle smaller shipments and also deal with, again, what I refer to as loose pick orders, which are smaller quantities per title. That remains a challenge. And it seems that it's going to require some programming systems, to help rationalize how they position that product. And the one thing that's clear is that it's not gonna be fixed overnight, that it's gonna take some time. And you know, I know they're in this business and their intent is to handle it at a level that we all expect from the labels and the majors to wholesalers and retailers. But this has been one that's really handcuffed them. I think the other challenge that many of us that are, are in the business of hiring personnel for warehousing purposes, is that it's 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 a challenged market right now in terms of finding people, retaining people, paying them at a level where you can you know ensure that there's some consistency from a staffing standpoint. So it appears that from a personnel standpoint, and this is purely just my observation, that that's a challenge. And you know, these are low margin businesses too. They've got to try to manage the business to deliver a profit. I mean, I can assure you almost all of us right now are not making a profit while everybody is trying to, to make this thing work. You know, labels aren't signing off on expedited air shipments, you know, just to, to help kind of fill into some of these challenges and the amount of time that we all spend administratively tracking orders and dealing with shipment issues such as shortages, items that were shipped that we didn't receive for example, it's really significant. So the move for new releases from one of the majors to another location is a positive move. The move that the other two have initiated, one basically stated that you need to place all of your orders as an independent retailer to the wholesale community, the other strongly recommending they do so, will help alleviate the load provided we have the inventory to be able to supply that need. I think what's prudent now is that seven months later, there's some short-term solutions and some hopefully long-term solutions, but in terms of getting beyond the holiday selling season, there need to be some decisions made as to how do we support this business, you know, well into the year. And, you know, I would advocate that all of the companies utilize wholesalers and any other businesses that are have a familiarity with what we do, such as manufacturers that can potentially ship larger new release orders direct, they need to take some pretty aggressive measures until we collectively feel like, you know, the business is a, at a level where, you know, we're receiving deliveries, you know, as we have in the past. And, you know, the other concern short term is that we only get the holiday season once a year. And this is historically our high volume selling period. So you don't get that shot again. The other issue is that, you know, a lot of retailers are taking a beating socially, you know, on social networking where the assumption for the average music consumer is that retailers, both online and physical retailers are dropping the ball and not providing new releases on a timely basis and and not necessarily having older releases stocked at a level that they expect. On the catalog side, it's taking us, I think we we don't receive catalog orders for at least four weeks after we order it. Independence, it takes five to seven weeks. So if you do the math, you know, if they were to order today or next week, there's a risk that they won't even see inventory until Christmas or after that.
3: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. It's very difficult to articulate this to the public. And the concern is that from a physical standpoint, we could be losing, you know, consumers long term as a result of this. So there's progress being made. There's some good decisions being made recently. And I think we need to see some solid decisions going into 2020 that give everybody some breathing space to try to do the best possible job we can under the current circumstances.
3: Well, I think that was a very concise way of explaining a difficult situation. So... Steve Harkins is the chair of the physical business action committee and the vice president at Ingram entertainment. Steve, thanks for being with me today on the future of what?
2: Thank you, Porsha. Appreciate the opportunity.
3: And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Shoo Shoo explode into colors. And of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta five, subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at thefutureofwhatshow.com and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next week.
4: Support for X-Ray FM is brought to you by Back to Eden Bakery, specializing in 100% plant-based, vegan, gluten-free baked goods, pastries, desserts, and ice cream since 2009. Now offering brunch seven days a week and pizza, salads, spirits, and more for dinner. Back to Eden Bakery is located at 2215 Northeast Alberta Street and is open daily from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m.